Shalom, and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com and our study of Sefer Devarim. My name is Menachem Liptag. Today we continue our study of Parshat Nitzavim, class number four out of six. Our class today begins in chapter 30, Paraklamed, begins in verse 1, Pasuk Aleph, through verse 10, Pasuk Yud. The topic today will be the concept of repentance, of tshuva, and we will also use this to explain some basic concepts of tefillah, in the context of the upcoming holiday of Rosh Hashanah. Also, in relation to Rosh Hashanah, I'd like to quote a verse from the Navi Amos that relates both to Rosh Hashanah and the theme of blowing shofar, and the theme we talked about in yesterday's class, that God threatens that his punishment of his nation will be disproportionate to the way he would punish other nations. We saw in the verses we read yesterday that the other nations will see the harsh punishment that we received and that will relate our severe punishment to the fact that we broke our covenant with God, the fact that God chose us and had such high expectations from us, that will explain to them why God went out of his way to punish us so harshly. So the Navi Amos, who's a prophet in the middle of the first temple period, is warning the people to repent and fix their society. And he says, if they do not, God is going to send Ashur, the Assyrians, to punish them. And in chapter 3, he says as follows, Shimo tedavar asher diber Hashem alechem b'nei Yisrael, Listen to this word or this message that Hashem is speaking about the children of Israel. This whole family that I brought out of Egypt saying, Only you I knew or only you I chose and had this special relationship with from all the families of the earth. And because of that, I'm going to punish you for all of your sins. Recall that Amos begins his prophecy with saying, with other nations, I'll give them three chances, and on the fourth time I'll punish them. Over and over again he says, for three sins, I may give them a little more time, on the fourth sin I'll punish them. In contrast to that, to his own nation, I'll punish them for everything they do wrong. And he explains why. Because I came to know you, because I chose you, I have higher expectations, therefore your reward might be greater, but also your punishment will be also greater. Now the word that he uses for being chosen, he says, Only you I knew. And we saw the same word in our discussion yesterday when we went back to the theme of why he chose our forefathers. We read in Sefer Breshit in chapter 18, in verse 19, Because I came to know Avraham. I chose him for a purpose. In order that he command his children and they their children, to follow the way of God by doing justice and righteousness. That was the verse that we saw yesterday. But there also, God explains that he came to know Avram Avinu for this reason. And therefore, because they were chosen for this reason, God has to punish us more harshly when we do not keep his laws because of these high expectations. And on the other hand, should we follow his laws, he'll go out of his way to help us and take care of us. After making that opening statement, Amos brings several examples of cause and effect that if we find a certain animal caught in a trap, it must be someone set the trap. And then, one of his last examples is in verse 6 in chapter 3, If we hear the shofar blowing in the city, will not the people become fearful? This is talking about an imminent war. And when people hear the sound of the shofar of the warning, or the sound of the shofar of the attacking troops, when you hear many shofar sounds, that's a sign that war is imminent. And of course, people will fear because their lives are on the line. And then, should there be evil in a city or something bad happen to a city, is it not because God is behind us? 
the basic assumption that Amos is claiming is that if a certain calamity is about to befall the nation of Israel, it's because of their bad behavior. And then he explains, Pasuk Zion, verse 7, God will not do anything. He won't bring any punishment before he goes and explains the reason to his prophets. God will tell the prophets or inspire the prophets to tell the people and warn the people of what they're doing wrong. And that way, the people have one last chance to repent before God brings that punishment. What is the mechanism that the Torah has for us to do repentance? That is the blowing of the shofar, and that brings us to Sefer Bamidbar in chapter 10, verse 9, where Chumash says as follows, Should war be imminent in your land, no matter who the enemy might be, we are commanded, You blow a Torah sound, with the trumpets. The trumpets were the fancy shofrot made out of metal that were used in the temple. Therefore, the Torah says, gather in the temple and blow the chatzotzrot with the sound of a shruah. Then, then you will be remembered by God. You need to remember that He's judging you and He needs to judge you and hopefully will judge you in a positive manner. If you heard that shofar blowing and understood that your punishment is coming from God, Understanding the reason was because of your bad behavior. That understanding would be transformative and lead you to repent and do what's called tshuva. And then, then God will save you from your enemies. So in Amos, we see two very key points in regard to God's relationship with his people. One is, if we find calamity about to happen on the national level, be it war, be it famine, any type of evil, the Navi is saying that's not by chance, that's not just probability, God is sending a very strong message to his people that he is not happy with their behavior. Therefore, the nation is supposed to gather. They're supposed to blow a truah, the sound of a shofar or a chatzotzrah, but the main thing, they hear the sound of a truah going up and down. That is supposed to cause them to introspect, to remember not only that God exists, but also to understand that this trouble or calamity that is about to befall them was being sent by God in order that they repent, Therefore, the sound of the shofar, or the churah sound, is supposed to inspire the people to reflect on that idea, to internalize that understanding, to take upon themselves to do better, to listen to the word of the Navi, who's going to explain to the people why God is not happy with him. And if the nation does repentance and does shuvah, God promises to answer that prayer and he'll save them from their enemies. If they only pray that God would help them, but don't repent, then the Navi says there's no reason for God to save you. But if the people understand that the punishment is coming from God because of their bad behavior, and they ask themselves, what are we doing wrong? And they listen to the prophet and fix their ways, then God promises he will come and bring salvation. Therefore, the job of the shofar is a wake-up call to the people, not only to remember that God exists, but to remember that he expects us to act in a way to sanctify his name. And the same understanding that Amos talks about, about the shofar blowing. And the same concept that's discussed in Sefer Bamidbar with the commandment of Chatzotzrot, should more be imminent, that's the underlying reason why we blow Shofar in Rosh Hashanah. It's a day of Zikron Torah, a day that we blow a Torah to remember that God judges us for all of our deeds. Therefore, that understanding, when we blow the Shofar, leads to repentance and doing Tshuva. So with that in mind, we'll begin our study today in chapter 30, verse 1, with the assumption that the worst has happened as threatened by the Tochacha, the first verse describes the situation where the worst has happened, the curse has happened, we've been exiled from our land, 
And because this is Parshat Nitzavim, and again, it's a covenant about the covenant, we have to emphasize the most important point that no matter how bad our punishment is, even if we're in exile, our relationship is not over and God ultimately will redeem His people, but on the condition that we repent. Pasuk Aleph, Raya. Ki alecha et kol ha-brachava and it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse, asher natati lefanecha, that I've put in front of you. I've warned you of these possibilities and should it come to pass that these curses happen, then Then you should return with your heart wherever you are among the nations that God scattered you among them. You should return to Hashem your God from wherever you are. What Chomesh is saying here is our key point that no matter how bad our punishment is, no matter how far we are exiled, no matter how many hundreds or even thousands of years we may be in exile, the possibility of repentance always exists, and there's always a possibility for us to return to the land and be God's people as a nation again in our land. And this is the reason why this topic is found in Parshat Nitzavim, because we're talking about the overall concept of Brit, of covenant, its eternal nature, and the fact that neither we can break out of it, nor can God break out. We might be in exile, but the potential of return always exists. You might remember from the Navi Yecheskel in chapter 37, the famous prophecy of the dry bones, where the people, after being exiled, after the first temple was destroyed, come up with a very logical conclusion. They say, we are like dry bones. In other words, our exile is an irreversible process, just like death. Just like dry bones don't come back to life. In the same way, we, the nation of Israel, who are now in exile, outside our country, without our temple, we are like dry bones, and there's no possibility of return. Therefore, the Navi says, these dry bones can come back to life, meaning, no matter how bad your plight is in exile, one day, God will bring you back. And of course, knowing that God can bring you back, can motivate people to repent, to take a look at their actions, group again together, and return and want to be God's people. And that now, Chumash will explain in Pasuk Bet, beginning in Pasuk Bet, verse 2. V'shavta Adonai Elohecha, v'shamata b'kolo, then you shall return to Hashem your God and listen to His voice. To follow all the laws just as I've commanded you today. Again, Hayom, the day of Sefer Devarim, the day that He taught all these laws. You together with your children, with all your heart and all your might. Clearly, this is a reference to the first parsha of Kriyachma from chapter 6 in Sefer Devarim. We're supposed to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our might. And follow to follow all these laws that Moshe is teaching them on this very important day, the day that Moshe reviews these laws for one last time and follows with this warning of the blessing and the curse. Now God promises the option of return in Pasuk Gimel, verse 3. Then Hashem, your God, will bring back your exile and have mercy upon you. And he will return and gather you from all the nations. From where Hashem your God had scattered you there, he will collect you or gather you from all those nations and bring you back to the land. Rashi makes a very interesting comment on the beginning of verse 3 when it says, Rashi says it should say, Hashem should bring you back. Here it sounds like Hashem himself is coming back. Based on this Hebrew, 
Rashi claims that when we go into exile, God goes into exile with his people. And even though we're exiled from the land, in a certain manner, God remains with his people, even in exile. And therefore, when we return, God returns with us. Therefore, it's not Veshiv Hashem, not that God will bring us back. Veshav Hashem, God returns with us, together with the people. That reflects the very same concept, that even in exile, because we have the potential of returning, God always remains with us, maybe not in the same intense fashion as He is when the Shekhinah is dwelling in the land of Israel, but even in exile, there's a certain level of God's presence that is felt among His people because of this potential to return. God continues His promise now in verse 4 in Pasuk Dalev, Im should your exiles be scattered at the end of the heavens, even from there, Hashem your God will gather you, and from there, He will take you and bring you back. Now continuing in Pasuk verse 5, And Hashem your God will bring you back to the land that your forefathers first possessed, and you shall possess it. And then He will make you more prosperous and more numerous than your parents were. But in order to accomplish this, we will need God's help. And therefore, Moshe explains in Pasuk Vav, verse 6, Then Hashem your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your children. We'll talk about this phrase very soon. To love Hashem your God with all your heart and all your soul in order that you stay alive. I think this is staying alive not only in the individual sense, but also in the national sense, you remain alive as a nation, and God needs to help you by circumcising your heart. What's this concept of circumcising the heart? Ramban quotes the Gemara in Sechet Shabbat, Tav Kuf Dalet, that this concept, Umal Hashem et is Habalitaher Misainoto. Someone who wants to purify himself, someone who wants to return to God, God is there to help him. Mavtichacha Shetashuvelav. Then, if you want to return, God promises you'll be able to return. And Hashem will help you. God will help you once you make that first effort. I remember hearing a sicha from my Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Yudah Meital, Zechel Tzadik that this concept of God circumcising our hearts, he explained as follows, that the heart has the ability to return to God. Why is it that people don't return to God? Because even though the potential to return to God is in our hearts, our hearts are covered. There's what's called a klipa. There's a covering that surrounds the heart and doesn't allow the heart to come out. Therefore, in order to return to God, we don't need a new heart. All we need to do is cut open that covering. And therefore, the verb the Chumash uses for opening up our hearts is like circumcision because we don't need a new heart. The potential to return to God is there. All we need to do is sort of let go, let that covering, get rid of that, and the heart will come out on its own. That means the main way of tshuva, the main way of repentance, is using your heart to return to God. God will help you uncover your heart, and then you can do things on your own. Now in verse 7, God promises how He will help us. Pasuk Zayin, V'natan Adonai Elohecha et kol ha'lotele al-oivecha va'al-sonecha asher u'dafucha. And now God will take all these curses and all these warnings that He threatened you with, now will take them and put them on your enemies and on those who hate you, those who persecuted you. Pasuk Ched, verse 8, And now you must return and listen to the voice of God. 
and keep all of his commandments that I'm commanding you today. It's not enough just to want to return to God. The desire to return, to want to be God's people again, is fine, but it must be followed with total repentance, the desire to listen to God, to be obedient, and keep all of his commandments, the very same commandments that he's commanding today, again, the day of Sefer Devarim, when Moshe taught all the laws and reviewed them and gave all the warnings. Should we follow these laws? God makes one final promise. Verse 9, And Hashem, your God, will grant you prosperity in all your endeavors. He'll give you prosperity and success in the fruit of your womb, in the offspring of your cattle, and the produce of your soil. For Hashem, once again, will be delighted in your well-being, just as He was delightful in taking care of your forefathers. This means that God will be eager to help us, just like He was eager to help our forefathers and establish the nation. He'll also be just as eager to help us return and re-establish the nation. But again, on what condition? Pasuk Yud, verse 10. Should you be willing to obey the voice of Hashem your God? to be obedient, to keep His commandments and statutes. Those that are written in this book of the Torah, again, the laws of Sefer Devarim, that we saw in the introduction at the end of chapter 4. When you return to Hashem your God with all your heart and all your might and be dedicated to keeping the laws, and fulfilling those commandments, then God promises to bless you with prosperity and well-being, and He'll be more than eager, He'll be delighted to help you. This concept of repentance and God's promise to ultimately return us to our land is one of the main themes of Zichronot. We need to remember that God can return us. The covenant is not over. And that understanding that God can remember His covenant and can redeem us, that the covenant can never be broken, that understanding is transformative and can help motivate the people to conduct proper repentance. And therefore, we read many verses of Zichronot from the Nevi Yirmiyahu, which is the Haftarah for the second day of Rosh Hashanah. I'd like to simply quote several verses from the Nevi Yirmiyahu that relate to this very same thing. The Haftarah of Yirmiyahu that we read on Rosh Hashanah is from chapter 31, but the topic really begins in chapter 30. I'll read several verses from chapter 30 in Yirmiyahu that clearly are based on what we read today in Parshat Nitzavim. Again, Perak Lamed, Pasak Aleph in Yirmiyahu, Hadavar Shir Hayal Yirmiyahu Mit Hashem Lemor. This is the word of God to Yirmiyahu the Navi. Komar Hashem, this is the word of God. Write these words down that I'm speaking to you. And now in Pasagimel, Kine Yamin Baim Numashem, a time is coming, God says, Vishafti Echfut Ami Yisrael, Vyuda Amaradonai. I will return the exile of my nation of Israel. And Yehuda, God is saying, and I will bring them back to the land that I gave to the forefathers, and they will possess it once again. Recall Yirmiyahu is a Navi in the time of the destruction of the first temple. He witnesses the destruction. He did his best to prevent it. He tried to warn the people so they would repent properly. Unfortunately, the people did not listen to Yirmiyahu's message, and they went into exile. Now that they're in exile, he has to promise the people, even though you're in exile, do not give up hope, one day you will return. If you're familiar with the Navi Yirmiyahu, this is a very important message he's giving because many of Yirmiyahu's colleagues 
called the false prophets, were telling the people it can't happen. And they were making false promises in God's name. And because of these false promises, Yemriel was very worried that once we do go into exile, if the temple indeed is destroyed, despite the promises of the false prophets that it won't happen, now that it does happen, he's afraid that the people will give up hope and think that repentance and return to Israel is no longer a possibility. Therefore, God continues in Pasuk Yod, in chapter 30, in verse 10, Therefore, do not be afraid, my servant Yaakov, and do not be dismayed, O Israel, I will deliver you from far away, and I will bring your children back from the land of their captivity. And Yaakov once again will return to calm and quiet with no trouble in the land. And this continues until the very first line of chapter 31. is almost a direct quote from Parshat Nitzavim. At that time, God promises, I will be the God for all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. With this background, the Haftarah for Rosh Hashanah begins in Pasuk Bet. God is saying, when we first left Egypt, this nation found favor in God's eyes in the desert. The nation saved from the sword of the Egyptians. They're on their way to inherit the land of Israel. And the people answer back in exile. That was so far away. That was so long ago. The people thinking that was a one-time event. Now maybe God forgot us. God answers back. No, God reminds him, my love of you is eternal. Remember, we talked about the word olam, forever. God's promise to Avram Avinu from Bilah, of a Brit olam, my ava, my love for you, and hence my choosing you, is eternal. Therefore, I'll continue to show my chesed, I'll continue to show my grace upon you. I'll rebuild you again, God promises. God continues to promise, once again you'll be planting vineyards in the hills of the Shomron. And then, in light of what we read in Parshat Nitzavim, the promise of Shibat Zion is clarified in Pasachet in verse 8. I'm going to bring them back from the land of the north. I'll gather them from all the ends of the earth. And then we have a famous line in verse 15. Ko amar Hashem, ko this is the word of God. There's a cry heard from Ramah. Ramah is a city very close to where Rachel is buried. We hear the cry of wailing and weeping, for Rachel is crying about her children. Recall when the exiles leave Israel, they pass by Rachel's burial site, and Rachel is crying because she sees her children leaving. And no one can comfort Rachel because she sees her children leaving, they're gone. And she's afraid they're never coming back. What does God tell Rachel? God comforts Rachel and tells her, Hold back your voice from crying, and hold back your eyes from tears. There's reward for all your hard work, God promises. One day they'll return from the land of their enemies. And there's hope for your future, God promises. Your children will return back to the borders. It's rather amazing that for almost 2,000 years, Am Yisrael, wherever they were scattered, in exile, on Rosh Hashanah, read this Haftarah of the promise of return, 
and the whole concept of Zichronot, that one day God will redeem his people. And in our own generation, we've returned to our land, we've rebuilt our nation. That covenant was not forgotten. And now the challenge of our generation is exactly the words of Parshat Nitzavim. Now that God has brought us back, the challenge we now face, can we rebuild that nation in a manner that sanctifies God in our day-to-day life? Will we follow and understand the Torah properly? In tomorrow's year, we will see a discussion of whether keeping these laws is indeed possible or is it beyond human ability.